This is the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 294. I'm your host, Brian. Joining this evening, Mac is back. Yes, I'm back, and I'm back for the attack. <laughs> Ian is with us. I am here, wherever here may be. I mean, with the Large Hydron Collider started up again and creating the most powerful, powerful collisions yet, there's no way to know where I am. Which dimensions have I been thrown into this time? What is the spelling of Bernstein Bears here? Would I even notice a different spelling? Which leg did the man who tackled President Gar's assassin get shot in? How does one keep track of all these small changes? Right, and it's Frankenstein here, so just <laughs> yeah. And uh, Ian, yeah. When the trenches have fallen to forces unknown, perhaps you should answer the phone. And of course, we have the dumbass himself. I'm really into truth, and not in a platonic way. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I am, and I'm. I can't unhear it. <laughs> you fuck the truth. Oh, fuck the truth. Okay, got it. Okay. I like it. The truth? You can't manhandle the truth. You, you, are you sure? <laughs> I believe I can, and I will. Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Well, how is everybody doing this evening? Functional. Functional. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. Functional. Well, with how bad the heat's been lately, functional's not a bad place to be. It was Some days you just... Yeah. 104, 114 with the heat index down here today. Yeah. Ridiculous. And it's and it's going to be the same tomorrow. I mean, we're, Texas is in it. We have a, this heat wave is killing us. And we're not getting any rain. It is dry down here for us. Yeah, I know. I know, Brian. Every heat wave is bigger in Texas. <laughs> now, hmm. do, do you expect the power grid to actually hold up this year? Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, here's the thing is that they, they, they you know, we, we, we spent a lot of time taking women's body autonomy away from them, but we've done nothing to fix the grid. And quite frankly, I, you know, to, I, I don't know if we can fix the grid timely, right? Here's the thing. I still think we have to build nuclear and, and nobody's willing to, nobody's willing to do it, you know, and, and green technologies are not going to, they, they don't, they don't cut it. Right, we need a baseline. We we and, and the and the best baseline that we can do is nuclear. I, I'm yeah. sorry, there, there's there's not another baseline. All all the you know windmills and stuff are are in in solar panels are good for you know for for augmenting the grid and in 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 creating clean power where you can. But they don't. But you can't create a baseline based on wind. You can't create it based on solar. Right. So, so Brian, are you saying that they they don't respect the bodily autonomy of women? But they do expect respect the autonomy of the grid, so they just leave it alone. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what's going on. Uh, it's bad, and it's not just and it's not just Texas, right? I mean, we have our own power grid, so we're our own problem. But it's not like but you're but the grid up, uh, you know the but the but the rest of the nation's grid has the same issue. But they're shutting down a, a nuclear power plant in um, is it Michigan that that's that that's like three hundred megawatts. 300 or something like that, and there's no replacement for it. What are, and what are they going to do? They're going to replace it with natural yeah, they're, they're, gas. They're just building coal power, coal power plants, and it's like that's not a better solution. Right, which is yeah. a way worse solution, right? I mean, in, in, do you mean clean coal? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that, huh? Ah, uh, that that's another topic in and of itself. And here's the thing: is that I heard, um, I was listening to a guy talk about um, about windmills, and he he's he's like like anti-windmill from from the top to the bottom and it, there's a lot of issues with windmills and one they don't produce power all the time okay that 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 that's not so bad but they wear out and the and the the blades on them when the when the um the the blades will uh 
start to break and they shatter, and then they'll spectacularly go right, just and just fall apart. And all you can do is replace the blades. Well, but all of that, all of that trash that you just created gets dumped in a landfill. So, uh, and so that's not so green anymore, is it? So mm. there's issues. So so every single every every single type of power has issues. I just think that that still the best one is nuclear, and it's got issues. <laughs> so. Mm. I, I mean, know. yeah, but I, I understand like uh, the the newest uh, uh, plants uh, designs. Anyway, uh, uh, they uh, they have very little um, uh, nuclear uh, waste. Yeah, what, what do you yeah. call that? Yeah, they, they're yeah exactly. They they use much. They're much more efficient as far as using fuel, and so they don't have a lot of um, of spent rods and stuff like that. when you're done. Yeah, these Gen 4 plants are fantastic, and there's a couple of different designs, and some of them are using, you know, molten salt to store to store electricity and stuff like that, or just, yeah, to, to, to store energy, not electricity, but to store energy so they can make energy from, from that later, and so they're doing a lot of innovative things with it, but... We, you know, we can't get them to build it. And how I don't know how long it takes to build a plant, but it's, but it's not tomorrow. We could, I mean, I imagine ten years is not an unrealistic for if you start today building that you that you'll have something you know workable. No, no. If you look at conservative logic, if the Keystone Pipeline had been been allowed to happen, it would suddenly exist and fully functional and make a huge difference. No, it so, wouldn't. No. <laughs> no, no. I'm going with conservative logic. Oh, conservative logic. <laughs> That's what they've been telling us is. You know, the reason gas prices are high is because the Keystone Pipeline didn't get built. So like, I mean, yeah, but here's yeah, they, there's there's a there's a huge lie. The Keystone Pipeline did get built, right? It's it's still it's, it, I mean, it, it goes to Texas, it yeah. goes to um, it goes to several different places. It's only phase with three or four that that didn't get built, and that would have only upset our our energy supply by yeah. like and that would have taken 2%. several years still before it got built. It was not a magic thing that was yeah. ready to be done. But we're not so, talking I'm, about a lot of energy. We're talking about one or two percent of our energy needs at best. I'm so, still hung <laughs> up on the fact that nobody pointed out that conservative logic is an oxymoron. <laughs> you know, they're, so uh, I hear they're, they're, getting, they're getting ever more and more tantalizingly close to fusion. But you know, even like uh, if they if if their like new estimates are correct, uh, uh, it might be fifty fifty whether we see it in uh, uh, well any of our lifetimes here. Yeah, but they still haven't scaled it up. They're doing they, these scales that they're doing it on are nothing, right? Even even if they get it to work on on the scale that they're looking at, they they, they haven't scaled it up to anything usable. Who knows what would have happened if President Gore didn't get assassinated? <laughs> what? I, I'm, I'm surprised you guys didn't mention anything on that comment I made. What President? What do I? <laughs> My opening Did you just comment. Throw that I mentioned President Gore getting assassinated, and I heard no follow up on it, that. This, well, because I mean, we, it, it kind of rolled real fast, through, <laughs> and I got little bits of it, but I didn't get the whole thing. Mm. <laughs> so, so much you guys listened to me. I knew uh, it. I know. Well, we we better uh, move on. Oh, wait. because okay. uh, I was preparing my little thing for after. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's like he was he, he was prepping. Uh, all right, let, let let's move on. Uh, I, I I don't know, Ian. What what time is it? Uh, time for Ian to pimp his book. <laughs> Gradually, I have nothing new to pimp today. <laughs> Working on it. Although I think I have decided on a title for the third novel. Oh, good. But um, you know, it's still about halfway done. A lot of stuff going. But to answer Brian's question, it is time for the dumbass. Oh, I, uh, me or Dragon first? So I thought I wake up. It is time for the Ian and Dumbass's masturbation moment. Brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. 
The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. It is hard to match the professionalism of this show. I will tell you what. <laughs> although, <laughs> although, honestly, in this reality, um, it's the Elon Musk and dumbasses masturbation moment. <laughs> oh God! You know, you you bring that up, and I just want to I just want to rail on the whole Twitter thing. I knew I knew that this wasn't good to go through. It was it was obvious from the beginning that he did this. You know, he did this. You know, as a. Uh, Brian, Never Brian? mind. Yep, sorry. Brian? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, let let Dumbass talk about Ooh. masturbating. Okay, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> Elon Musk. So, uh, <laughs> who here loves VR porn? I've never done VR porn. Do, do, I, I've I, seen the videos. Yeah. You know, on Pornhub, they do have some VR por- porn where, you know, if you, I guess if you had the goggles and project them into the goggles. It but... looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, I just don't think that, that this is what I'm looking for in porn. But it's hugely you know, uh, popular uh, right now. Yeah, I've I've never tried it, but it does seem like uh, just a a weird gimmick. But uh, uh, in any case, yeah, in Vegas, um, uh, and, and I suppose this is a slight continuation on from last time. Uh, AI, where uh, they've got um, uh, VR headsets loaded with porn uh, being delivered uh, to uh, people for fifty bucks a day. People who, in this article, is calling the terminally lonely, which uh, I take. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but yet I take offense to it. <laughs> uh, terminally lonely, I believe, means that you're moments away from autoerotic asphyxiation in the closet oh, of the oh. hotel room. Oh, then, then I am currently terminally lonely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do we need to send uh, somebody to check on you, dumbass? Don't pull a no, carotene on us. No, I'll be fine. No, I'll get through this. Okay. Just ignore any strange noises. <laughs> yep. You will survive as long as you know how, how to love. You know you'll stay alive. <laughs> All right. VR porn in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, apparently there are five bots uh, servicing comforter, uh, customers all over Vegas now. Uh, these, um, according specify to the what, are, Specify there are five bots getting people off? That is correct. <laughs> the, uh, the sex bot service industry is uh, evolving uh, all the time. Yeah, the, these uh, these are, look like apparently the like little coolers on wheels. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they said them. They'll come up to your uh, hotel room or whatever. Uh, you um, loaded with porn, strap them on, uh, and uh, <laughs> go on. nuts watching people fuck from all sorts of angles. Hold on, you mean that VR porn is being delivered along with the equipment for it? By fucking Star Wars mouse bots. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be better if no, they look no, like R2. On whether they, they make uh, uh, cute little beeping sounds in order to uh, try to communicate with you. <laughs> yeah, this, this is. I mean, it, it must be. It must be within a limited range, right? I mean, uh, I'd have to imagine so. How how reliable are these deliveries? And what if they've got to go up steps? Would you have to go down and meet them to get your to get your maybe? Your, your, your I don't porn? know. That kind of that defeats the porn the the porn you know the the purpose doesn't it if, if you you know if you go out of the house so somebody sees you getting your VR headset okay even if it goes up to your door people will see it going up to your door yeah what were you saying Mac I was saying any Vegas hotel 
that doesn't have an elevator would probably not have the service. I mean, are we assuming that the, is this in the hotel? Is that is that the piece that I'm missing? Is it is it in the hotel that that is supplying these things? You know, it doesn't. The article doesn't go into detail into uh, the uh, exactly how the uh, purchasing and delivering with the thing works. I don't want logistics to get in the way of you getting off, but I, <laughs> the, I, I'm trying to. I mean. Robots just are not they, – they don't get around as well as we'd like to think. Even you know, even the stupid ones that, that are supposed to vacuum you know, your house, it sounds, it sounds like they just have a ton of issues too because it's got to map the house. And if in a, anything moves, they're, they're screwed, right? They're not adaptive. They don't learn. So how is, it, so how is this thing supposed to get around and, and know where it's going to get? And, and can it cross a street? I, I, I think the idea that 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 it's that it's servicing a hotel is, it makes sense, right? Because it, cause it could probably map the hotel. Yeah, maybe this is for a chain of hotels or something. I don't know. I it, it's it's I mean it it the the, the idea it's it's a, it's a novelty, right? The the idea that this this VR this robot is going to deliver you a VR headset, right? That that is going to give you your your POV porn. It, it's it's an interesting idea. I guess it doesn't say it's all POV, right? I guess it could be porn that you you know so you can just well, I mean, an orgy uh, around isn't uh, any uh, headset porn POV porn? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> It it could just be. Uh, I mean, it could be voyeurism, right? Then it, I, I mean, suppose. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess the point is just uh, to be able to walk around and get different angles on the action. I mean, are you watching? I mean, are you watching somebody give you a blowjob, or are you watching somebody else give somebody else a blowjob? And it doesn't have to be blowjobs, but my, but the point is, is that is you know, is it is it is it that that point of view, or is it? Or is it, uh, or is it just a three D, you know, sex scene that you can walk around? But that, that that's one thing. I mean, that, that that's the VR piece of it. I still don't know how the robot's going to get me the, the get me this headset. I believe what happens is that it comes up to some sort of little port, and a, <laughs> a, a little uh, thing uh, comes out on a, on a little uh, twirling stick, and it goes in and it twirls around for a little bit until it hacks the system, and then a little <laughs> door opens. And... Okay, but I love the idea. <laughs> And hey, and after all, we found out that even Daleks can go upstairs. We did. We did. They fly now. Oh, they fly. Okay. Yeah, you watched the first. You watched Christopher Eccleston's season. See, now if you told me that uh, it was a drone that was delivering this, I, I that might be more more believable to me. And if you told me it was a Dalek delivering it, well, then we'd have our artwork for the podcast. <laughs> <We'd have> your <laughs> Daleks delivering VR headsets. I guess if it's uh, going uh, down the street, it's... Ex-masturbate! <laughs> what was that, dumbass? Uh, this thing, I guess, uh, like, uh, looking at these things, uh, uh, if it goes outside, it must be, like, traveling along the sidewalk. Well, but, okay, but that then lies part of the problem, doesn't it? Can it cross the street? How, how does it How does it know how to get how, how does it know how to get across the street? Good question. You know, it doesn't specifically say that they're being controlled by AIs. Maybe they're, uh, they are just, like, uh, wheeled drones. Now that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, it calls it a robot, and a robot is supposed to be uh, self-autonomous, but right. Well, you know, they can't might, they, they might just be that. can't they just put an attachment on a Roomba? <laughs> it's already vacuuming. Can a yeah, but can a can the Roomba cross a street to, to deliver me my porn headset? <laughs> yeah, Roombas don't seem quite that smart. Yeah, I mean, but the <laughs> but if it's a drone. Then, and somebody's operating it. Well, then it might be able to get where it's supposed to be going to, right? Yeah. It, it, unless, and like I say, if it's a hotel, maybe it can say, "Hey, go to go to this go to this room," and it can get on an elevator and go, 
right? Because you could put in all of, all of the necessary equipment for it to do that, right? So so it obviously can't reach up and press the elevator button, but maybe there's a maybe it has a, a wireless signal that it can send to the elevator to say, "Hey, I'm here." Yeah, because it doesn't go into details. My guess is it's specific to certain hotels. I want details that already have it like set up. It's like okay, these hotels, you know, it says five bots ready to service. So I would almost picture like one bot at five different hotels, and it's like that's a service now available at that hotel. If you choose it, a robot will come to your room. But to be fair, the payoff for this article is the last paragraph. Dumbass, do you want to do the honors? Last paragraph. There's clearly a market for VR porn. Just ask Keanu Reeves, who said he wouldn't mind fans having sex with his avatar in the metaverse. And if there's anywhere a delivery service like this could go bonkers, it's probably Vegas. <laughs> Johnny Silverhand for the win. At least for a couple well, of years. I, I guess the logic is, you know, women are probably already fantasizing about him. Like, okay, if you need a, you know, VR stimulants to, you know, make it all the more, go for it. I do think that for the next at least couple years foreseeable that uh, that this will stay in Vegas. So what yeah. happens if Vegas is going to stay? Because if, if it's doable, maybe it's doable on the Strip. But, it, yeah, I don't know. Unless they're telling – you know, I, I'd love to talk to people doing it and, you know, and ask these logistics questions. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Hey, what are you doing right now? I'm doing VR porn. Great. Can I interview you? Exactly. Uh, Is it, well, wait. I'm a little busy. Well, no, hold on. Now, if if we can interview a VR porn star, that would be fine too. But I was just talking about the company, you know, that with the logistics to deliver right. the headset. But that, your worry yeah. was if we could interview someone who's doing it. Oh, right now. Yeah. You have, you have to, yeah, okay, you have to right. have a very special camera set up in order to do that kind of thing too, that. You know, we'll uh, arc away to, to like show to you have to capture the the action from all different angles too, don't you? Unless well, you're I, talking about. Uh, well, wait, isn't that what VR girls are for? So that I can interview them why they're doing it <laughs> for the podcast. It's a write-off, then, right? Yeah. Now I'm wondering, you know, if there is a there might actually be a fetish out there for women being interviewed while they're having sex with you. <laughs> Well, that would what? mostly be. Uh, Don't start over. Start whatever you're saying. You got to start over. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Uh, yeah, that would be uh, if you're interacting with another human being in the uh, app. Yeah, I don't know, but we know that fucking leads to child to, to children, and children leads to parents being miserable. Right, Ian? Apparently so. Um, so this is from the website Big Think. And the t- uh, headline... Ian, did, did you uh, arrange all your articles uh, today to uh, complain about uh, your family? <laughs> <laughs> well, what's my second one? I, I was going to ask if the if the decades of data were were two decades in your house, but dumbass beat me to it. <laughs> so yeah, so the headline is "Decades of Data Suggest Parenthood Makes People Unhappy." Um, but we've covered, and, and, haven't we covered this before? This seems like a like a topic that we've done before. Wouldn't surprise me. Okay, but um, the, if you read on to the subtitle, it says, "But are the kids to blame?" And that is actually one of yes. the, the findings of it. If it's, it's not necessarily the kid and having the family, it is what actually makes sense. But um, according to certain people, doesn't make um can't buy you happiness. But um. You know, th- those and by the way, of- if, if your parents are yelling at each other all the time, kids, it is your fault. <laughs> but no, so it goes into a lot of the details and stuff about um, looking into 
you know, obviously, you know, p- people, how they've um, responded to be- being families and stuff and how happy they are. And uh, the happiness gap was widest in the United States, where parents were 12% less cheerful than ch- childless adults. 14 other countries, among them Ireland, Greece, Britain, New Zealand, Switzerland, and Australia, also show a less than sunny outlook for parents, but not to as large of a degree in the U.S. So, of course, one of the questions is, what's the difference? Well, if you pay any attention whatsoever, it's stuff like, we do have the worst stuff about um, parental leave, um, maternity leave, all that kind of stuff. Just about every other civilized country out there treats the parents way better than the U.S. does. Well, if and we that's know, where a lot of this comes into play. If we know anything here in Texas, women should not be having sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, basically, the, the countries that are more pro, true pro-families, not just the words of, oh, we're pro-family, but truly pro-families and truly do things to help the families keep it together better, the parents are happier. Go figure. And um, one of the things also they looked at is uh, income. And... The, the majority of the parents that are not happy are generally the ones that are scraping by paycheck to paycheck and, you know, really have to struggle to pay the bills and all that other stuff. While once you hit a certain financial level, surprise, surprise, where you feel stable and everything, you're much happier. And there's far less of a gap and at times nothing of a real gap. So, um, you know, a big part of why th- there's unhappiness within families is trying to afford it all <laughs> so so a lot of it has to do with where where you where you are in in life at the time right so what what your pay yeah. scales are and stuff like that yeah i mean i can i can certainly attest to that um you know because when when my kids were young i made a lot less money and 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 we and you know we had to make a lot of compromises to you know to you know in living arrangements and stuff like that and then of course as 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 i got further in my career and and had more money Right now, now I have a house. I don't wonder. I don't wonder if I'm going to be able to make the mortgage next month, right? And 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 that and that takes the the taking those stresses off makes a big difference, right? But yeah. it only but it only solves in the stresses that are related to money. It doesn't solve those stresses related to time, right? And I I don't know about um, most other people. I've not found that to be a bad thing. I actually don't mind losing my time to helping my boys. I've never minded that. Some people do. And that's a you know differential thing on you know the, the mind of parenting. It's easier to cook for two people than it is to cook for five. Right. Right. It's easier for two people to agree what they want to eat if there's only <laughs> it's only two people. And sometimes they, you you just take care of yourself. Right? Yeah. But and so those kinds of logistic things, particularly when kids are are younger, you know, add stresses. Right. Um, daycare adds stresses. Now, oh yeah. As my as as my kids as your kids get older, those things go away. Right, I, I don't have to worry about my kids, and and I don't have to worry about daycare, right? And and I have one, and I only have one kid left in in high school as it is, right? Yep. Um, so so the the other two are you know have graduated, and you know, so and so it's, it's little kids, <laughs> right? That that in a lot of ways are more stressful than than older ones, but I, that maybe that's not true for everybody. I think that some people's teenagers are are you know can be just as bad, but I don't think yours were. No, um, and a lot of it is, you know, your relationship with your kids, I think. Sure. You know, I've always had a great relationship with my boys. Um, My ex-wife had a horrible relationship with her parents, and she barely has anything to do with them anymore. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, from what I've gathered, it, quite likely it's been a couple of years since he's really spent time with them now, and they don't live that far away. Um, so th- there's certain things within the parenting style and how you go into it so that it, definitely affects it. Yeah, they definitely address that in here about parenting styles. And and yeah. I wonder, you know, people who micromanage their children and, and like and like live their life through their children's accomplishments. Right? You 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 know these people that I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. I was oh, yeah. never one of those people. Right. Who was living my life through through my kids' accomplishments. Yeah, and a lot of it's um how you get into the parenting thing. You know, both me and you technically got into it by accident, but neither of us were like, oh, my God, this is a horrible thing. How are we going to do it? Both of us were more or less like, oh, cool. We're going to be fathers. No, Jennifer pretty much told me she was ready to have a kid. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you were like us and, oh, we're having a kid. Okay, let's go with it. She um, she was – we had, it had been talked about. Yeah, But I know of couples, both for religious reasons and just, oh, it's going to please the family, who had kids because they felt it was their obligation to have kids because, oh, you know, we need to continue the family. Let's have kids. And they're normally miserable about it. And I, 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 I've known a few religious ones where they basically, they got married and it was their religion that said they had to have kids. And a, a couple of my seen are some of the worst parents I can think of because, and they clearly hate being a parent that they're not happy with yeah. it, but it was their duty. You know, their religion says they have to pump out kids. They're going to pump out kids, right? And we it, you know. we didn't do that either, right? Yeah. It, it, I mean, and 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 I was and I was probably in a position where I was, you know, not ready. But would but the problem with that kind of mentality is when when would you actually be ready? Right. The fact of the matter that, is, the never is is the actual answer. To that it's like if you think you want to do it, you just go ahead and do it because you're because waiting for the right time is is ridiculous. Yeah, there is no there is and no I, right time. I'm a big advocate for uh, uh, couples who uh, uh, don't necessarily want to have kids. I mean, oh, yeah. like people—it's uh, it, a societal expectation that I think basically we should drop. Yeah, I, I had friends who got married, and the question I asked them is, "Do you ever plan to have kids?" Not when do it's "Do you ever?" Because you know, it, are, are you guys going to do it or not? And I, will I hear the pitter patter of little feet? And, and they they said, "Well, <laughs> no, we're not planning it right now." I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." You know, I, I didn't pressure. It's like that is completely valid. It's a legitimate question to ask, but you ask it that way. Do you plan to have kids? Not when. Because when is suggesting it's, you know, you have to. You're married now. You have to do it. It's like, no. Yeah. Are, do you guys know whether or not you want kids is a, you know, a much more respectful way to approach it. Well, but yeah, if sometimes you don't. you just want a, a, a partner to uh, grow old together with, to, to waste your life away with, and <laughs> yep. uh, uh, you, you don't need anything else. That's not I a valid marriage. I know a lot marriage. of couples like that. That's not a valid well, marriage. I mean, if, if you don't have kids, it's not a valid marriage, and you shouldn't be allowed to have it. How many more fucking kids do we need in the world? <laughs> well, Seriously. we don't need them fucking, but, I mean, you know, you, you've got to replace yourself at least, right? No, not necessarily. Um, we've got more We've got more than, more than more than our share of people replacing other people right now, so. Yeah. Well, and, and we have so many in the, the adoption system here in this country that need to be adopted. You know, yeah, the, the, I, apparently the, the um, all the pictures of kind of creepy looking couples saying we will adopt your child. The backlash is, well, why aren't you adopting the children that need it right here right now? Yeah, because <laughs> people want to to adopt babies. Babies are easy to adopt it, but 
but older children are not easy to get adopted. And, yeah. and well, because so, so, yeah, at that point they've learned to disobey. Well, also they're not cute. And, I think the um, takeaway others. message here. I think the takeaway message here is that there are just too many people, and people suck. <laughs> people <laughs> suck. That's a good takeaway message. Now, um, one of my uh, one of my one of my people on Facebook had a um, they had a uh, I, I guess sort of a straw man straw man conversation that they spelled out with a uh, with a pro life person and. It was essentially the the conclusion was, so you're not going to adopt any children that are unwanted because nobody should force you to have children in your house if you don't actually want them. Yeah. Um, so. the, the, let's <laughs> let's go back to the happiness thing because the the yeah because because that's veering off into a, another topic entirely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're you're talking veering off into the Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Exactly. I've got the let's, yeah. That anyway. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, Roe v. Wade is easy to solve. If you've got a boat, you row. If you don't have a boat, you wade. <laughs> well, let, let, let's not get into that depressing topic. Uh. But anyway, so yeah, so back to the, the happiness thing. So, so what are the other conclusions that that they're making at the, this? Because they kind um, of get to the point where 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 the, so so part of it's uh, um, financial status, and the, but I think that uh, and, uh, another part that they that they kind of addressed in places like Finland and these other places that have a lot of support for these families that they are happier. I mean, so I imagine that um, there's more. Uh, um, so you, you have maternal leave and paternal leave. I think a lot yeah. of, a lot of these countries. and, and there's and a huge logic to that. I mean, we talk about it takes a village and kind of in America, we want to ignore that idea, but it actually does. I mean, if the community around you is more supportive of you, if your company is more supportive of you, if your government is more supportive of you, you're going to be happier. And, and it makes it easier. That's the thing is that yeah. it makes it easier. I think I think that in Norway, it's mandatory maternal uh, maternal and paternal leave, right? Both both parents have to take a certain amount of leave. There's a lot of countries that have yeah. that now. And, we, and they do it in different ways. You know, yeah. There's some flexibility there where one parent can take longer than the other, and they might have a certain amount of you know months that they can shuffle around between them and stuff like that. I mean, the, but but our country, no, you you are you are practically penalized for for wanting paternal paternity leave. Yeah. Yeah, but you're also practically penalized for not having kids. Right. Exactly. So so yeah. So there's yeah. no compromise there. So that that and makes wonder, it in the why U.S. We have happiness issues. <laughs> Right, exactly. So, yeah, what you wonder why we're having happiness issues in the U.S. Because it, even if you are good financially, if your company is making it you know, uh, you, just as uh, an outside observer to the U.S. right now, uh, I don't think that's the sole reason why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's complicated. Is is the ultimate answer to it? So, so yeah. in, the, in the article, and the article admits that, and it, yeah, it concludes that. Um, you know, the, I'll read the final two paragraphs. With that said, there are two strong conclusions we can draw from what we do know. For non-parents, your choice to be child-free will not doom you to a sullen, meaningless existence where you'll spend your final days contemplating a life wasted like some inverse It's a Wonderful Life. Nor are parents doomed to emulate their happiness on the altar of a child's future. Parenthood can be a source of exuberance, but simply raising a child will not magically bring contentment to your life. If anything, you'll have to work harder for that contentment, as many factors, some you control, some not, dictate parental happiness. Anyone considering parenthood should weigh them judiciously before making a decision. A very rational conclusion. Yeah, it is. And, 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 but, you know, but, you know, Mag, Mag made, you know, the good point is that, you, you know, you're being pressured to have kids. Yeah. 
And of course, that's you know that's a problem. And that's the thing. So that that conclusion actually goes against what our sighting's been trying to force in our head for the longest time. It absolutely why. does, yeah. But it's an accurate conclusion, and it fits what we know now. Hi, Mad Cat. How are you know? <laughs> Hi. Sorry. Your mic's noisy. I'm. Yeah, it's noisy. What is it? Your computer mic? Nope. Sounds like David is cooking. Yeah, yeah it's noisy on your side. Please stop. <laughs> Okay, I think I've got better. Now that's closed. Yay! No, last the last uh, last podcast I was swearing for two and a half hours because I couldn't get anything working, <laughs> and then I couldn't get anything working anywhere else for a week and a half. Then it was working last half a week. I got on. Discord and it said Chuck you Farley. <laughs> All right. So I was swearing for the last hour. All right. Well, you're out here now, but but Mac <laughs> is going to talk to us about Kia parrots. Yep, and I always about love to talk about Kia parrots. Yeah. Ah. So a um, couple things of interest there. Essentially, what they found out. Hey, are you talking? All, are you, make sure you're talking directly into the mic. Oh wait, okay. you know what? We're getting echo from from Mad Cat. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, there she goes. Yeah, you she might want to uh, like uh, mute uh, between when you say stuff. We'll keep an eye out for when you unmute. All right, go ahead, Mac. Okay, so uh, first thing they found out was that Kias have a particular flock call that they do that sounds like a giggle, and if they hear this, it's like all bets are off. Um, at this point, if they hear the, if, in other words, at the point they hear the the giggle. It's like, okay, grab whatever Kia is next to you and start wrestling. Start tussling, start throwing each other around and have fun. Now, are, are we talking about uh, wrestling or quote-unquote wrestling? We're talking more about just play wrestling. Okay. And they found out that even, it doesn't matter who makes the call, if any Kia makes the call, that's that's grounds for this every Kia to have fun. Sorry about that. And... Uh- even if it's a recorded call that is played back by a scientist, they'll still say, no, fuck it. Let's have fun. Yeah, they don't seem to care. If they hear it, they, they just like to they, they just start messing hey, around. It's kind of like a punch buggy. But what they uh, found out, though, what's interesting is the fact that Kias have a gene in common with us. And that gene is, I believe it's called Plexin. I'm looking at... I'm looking for the through the article for it right now, but yeah, PLXNC1 or Plexin, and it is responsible among many different creatures for increased neuron function and correlates to increased cognitive ability in humans and mostly in language. So parrots, um, parrots have that, and crows do not. And the uh, the the kea carries the gene with a 79%, 79.42% identicality with humans. You know, uh, I remember back in my uh, grade 8 class, we had uh, something kind of similar, where just uh, uh, we'd stand around, and especially if the the teacher had gone off to do something, uh, all it would take would be for one person to yell out, penis, and then it would just like pass around the (laughs) room. Penis, penis, penis. That is quite something. So you're saying that the giggle... (laughs) translates into penis that is exactly what i'm saying that is possible although no i no i don't think so because i think of the birds only really the duck has a penis 
Uh, there's a few. Uh, the duck is not the only one that has a penis, um, but it but it is uh, rare amongst birds. I mean, it doesn't hold on to it for very long, does it? Uh, it no, it does true. not. No, they grew a new one every year because apparently yeah, the uh, apparently the females change their change the uh, maze that is their vagina every year, and so they need a new shape of penis to work <laughs> that out. Well, Matt, what were you going to say? But but but, but first, they have to go on a quest to to find uh, the. Uh, the map. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mad Cat, what, what were you trying to say? I'm trying to say that uh, they have a... Never mind. It's gone. Forgot it. <laughs> All right. It is interesting. Um, the, this Twitter account is funny. Um, but but crows, are, crows are an extremely intelligent bird. They and... are, but it's different. It, the intelligence is coming from different, whereas parrots are have some similarities to us again. Well, they exercise it in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Are they as smart as, as, as the Kia? I don't know. This article says that, that they're equally intelligent. I, I'm not sure I buy it. Yeah, well, yeah, but Brian, come on. You you, you really, really, <laughs> you're, you really bought into the myth of the Kia. The myth of the Kia? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of birds that are, there's a lot of birds out there that are really, really intelligent. So we've got a we've got a guy. I've seen some videos of this guy who has been, in essence, duplicating um, or basically running his own versions of the Alex experiments. And so he's been teaching his African gray to identify things. And his his training path is identify three things correctly and then treat. So I watched a video where you know he taps the windows the windows frame and says, "What's this?" And the bird taps it and says metal. And he says, "Okay, what about this?" And he taps the window, and the ghost bird goes metal. He says, "No, metal. No, what is? It's glass. Glass. All right." So then the next video, he shows the bird a drinking glass, and the bird taps it three times and goes glass. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's proving anything. I, I really question the methods that they're using um, to, to 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 show that 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 the bird is really identifying anything. Well, they are using other indications of uh, of their intelligence. Uh, they've done that this with bird and with many other animals. They have done the uh, well, it's kind of a glass test, but it's a mirror glass test. If they look into the mirror and realize that it is them in the mirror, then they're very intelligent because they can understand this is me. Right. That, yeah, I realized that the um, they they've showed that with with elephants. You know, they put the hat on them, and, and they and then they show them the mirror, and the, and the elephant realizes figure, that it's wearing yeah, the hat. All that. Yeah. Stuff. So yeah. So I and and we're finding that many many more animals are ca- are capable of doing that than we had originally thought. Now, doesn't it scare you that many more animals seem smarter than we ever knew? No. And some seem to no, be getting no, smarter. I love it. No, I. I, but, I love it. Yeah, but I, I mean, we still they still are pushing this idea that that you know that, that of language, like and 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 even you know when you when you go back and you look, even review Coco, which was the best example. Coco really didn't have language either. Coco was a poor example. <laughs> you think, think so? Coco was an extremely poor example because you had scientists who were cheating the scientific method. Well, okay, so I, so I think that there was some of that going on there too as well. Yeah, so so yeah, so there was Give, more... uh, Mad Cat her her due here though. Um, she 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 is pointing out uh, that if we don't do anything, uh, eventually uh, they are going to surpass us in strength and technology, and uh, we will be their slaves. 
Mm-hmm. You will destroy the world first, so don't, not a problem. We'll wreck it. Oh, if we okay, can't well, have it, uh, no yeah, one I can. I can go with that. You know, Matt, <laughs> talking of that glass test, mm-hmm. so you know ordinarily when you show a bed of fish a mirror, they yep. freak out they and they basically try to, they try to get bigger than it and they try to they get super hostile. Yes. So apparently bettas have been getting more mellow about this over the years, but because uh, bettas have been have undergone a lot of selective breeding. Yeah, in captivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so Sam bought a betta a while back and she thought, okay, well I need to show I need to show her the mirror, give her some exercise, because that's what she sees on the net is that the the betta needs to be riled up a little bit to get some exercise. So she shows the mirror, gills flip out for a second, and then she flips her gills back in and she starts preening and he. She. He. She. It's a female betta. Well, wait. So they have gotten bettas to have the big fluffy tails and the colorations? If they're female? The males have? No. They're, it's a female betta. It's got okay. the smaller fins. Okay. So it has the smaller fins. Okay. You did. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, essentially when you show this fish the mirror, she'll go up to it and then she'll go, she'll puff her gills out and just go, oh, God, I look good. Ooh. Ooh, I look great. You're best trying it on a male beta beta fish, though, yeah, because they do it more. Yeah, yeah, I know the males are more aggressive, but the the females are plenty aggressive on their own, or they used to be. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so so back to your story. You wandered. Oh, to the article. <laughs> <laughs> or to the the beta fish, or what? No, uh-huh. you you wandered from the you know you, you, your article was about the, was about the Kia parrot, and you yeah, wandered. I know. Um. Just I, the, the two things are just I just love the fact that they found out that we've got a similar gene to the Kias and it's 79 percent, 79.42 percent similar to a, the human the human version of that same gene. Yeah, I, I, it is interesting. And, you know, whether I, I crows are incredibly smart birds and to say which one is smarter than the other, I think, is kind of folly because they, they do different things and they, and they express their intelligence in different ways. Well, I think it's very much folly to assume one is more intelligent yeah, than the other. Yeah, absolutely. They, the crows and the kias both have really different relationships with men. Crows have always had a very adversarial yeah. relation with us, relationship with us on the whole. Whereas parrots have always had a very protected relationship with us on the whole. But part of that is their personalities as well, right? I mean, crows just don't want to have anything to do with humans, and, and parrots actually like to play with us. Well, and you might say that part of that with crows is also our traditions, because traditionally, according to the Judeo-Christian lore, any bird that is black is cursed by God. I, I, also, the I, factor I, I, is I that know. we don't have crows as pets. Well, but but I think part of that's because they and, poke your eyes out. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just not. They're just not. <laughs> and, they're not. What they're saying is that I'm just saying that you can't necessarily put the roots of our poor relationship with crows entirely on the crows or entirely on us. Well, but what I'm exactly. saying is that even with dogs, we no, no. That, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that uh, like the. Uh, when the whoever went like the the Pope first made a proclamation against crows, the crows were like, "Oh fuck you, humans, and your <laughs> lousy Pope." <laughs> well, it's it's well known that ducks? the Pope that the Pope that made the proclamation against crows in the first place, that's because they stole his fancy. 
That's, no, but, that's history. You know, the, one of the reasons that the, that the wolf became domesticated and we oh, have yeah. dogs is because is partly because you know of 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 their. The, I mean, they they approached us as much as we approached them, right? It, there there was a mutual thing that happened there. The fox, the silver fox, didn't do that. But we know that we that if we take and manipulate this the silver fox enough, that we can end up with something that that very much seems like a dog, right? So then there's so, cats which manipulated us. Well, yeah, but so I, I just don't know that that you know, like we're, we're talking about, we, we see a particular gene that 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 humans have that's similar to to what the the parrot has that m- makes us want to play that the crows don't have, and that right there is probably part of the key, you know, is is to, is to the interaction. That is possible. Yeah, but we also don't uh, don't go out in the wild and play with uh, parrots, or wild parrots. No, because yeah, they. They, once again, well, but I mean, they, they, people do. People have c- captured wild parrots and domesticated them, right? Right, and if but and and you can but make for it, the most it, part, it's the children afterwards. Exactly. More but I think with crows, I, th- I I still think that crows born in captivity. I don't think that that the the that they like humans better. Mm. Well, they haven't been domesticated or anything, so no. Yeah. So yeah. I in fact, famous, famously, uh, the uh, parrots kind of like bad people. You know, like uh, uh, pirates, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, ears to the king in Agrabah. Oh yeah, and they have been able. They've been sneaky enough, or well, crazy enough to uh, when their people run away when the cops come, they say, "Cops, cops!" <laughs> Went that way. Yeah. Well. Cr- yeah. Well, and we, there's a story about the crow that lured the dog away from its home, right? Stuff like that. I mean, mm-hmm. so they, 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 I mean, if any of that's true, they shouldn't have a mischievous side to them. Uh, yeah. Magpies do that an awful lot with cats and other animals that will hunt them. Yeah, well, because they imitate them. Yep, they imitate them. They get them to follow them and they terrorize them and get them killed off. All right. So you guys, so the, um, I, I put a whole bunch of stuff in here about, uh, um, forensic, uh, Junk science, forensic junk science. So I, I recently read a, um, a really good book, and uh, it's called The uh, Junk Science and the American Justice System. And it's written by, uh, is it uh, Chris Fabrican? Anyway, so he works for the, Innocent, uh, for the Innocence Project. And so he has spent years looking at, uh, looking at um, people that were convicted with junk science in, in – uh, trying to get the, get them freed from jail, you know, people that have been wrongly convicted, and it, it is it, it was kind of eye opening to me just how um, just how bad the forensic science that people are being convicted um, convicted with really is, um, and so and so I I, the, I mean you, you take a list of stuff, um, blood splatter, right? And I think that Dexter really made that kind of popular. So I remember in one of the uh, the American Justice or whatever class I took, where they were talking about the case that inspired the um, show The Fugitive, and how the guy, one of the evidence they used was the um, way the head was bashed in could only be done with a surgical tool, and therefore it had to have been the doctor that did it. And I'm sitting here like, wait a moment, that was actually used in an actual case saying the grooves that were done looked like they had to have been done with a surgical tool, and so only a doctor could do it. What kind of surgical tool makes blunt damage like that? <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, if, if you ever look at it, it was a poorly done case. The guy got convicted, and all of the evidence was really, really bad. Yeah, so... And, mm. and, and, so, and, yeah, 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 we're talking about where it comes from. Um, 
I'm guessing maybe because like uh, a lot of the forensic science stuff just seems like stuff that uh, is a clear progression of the kind of stuff that uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, yeah. well, would have. Uh... But also a lot of the time they kind of decide ahead of time who they're trying to go after and they can shape the forensic evidence to match that and shape the logic within the forensic evidence to match that. And that's exactly what, what we're seeing with a lot of this. So so like so I, blood splatter, I, hair microscopy, bite mark well, evidence. I noticed, I noticed, Brian, that you've got bite mark evidence in there, and that was how they convicted Bundy in the first place. So that, okay, so that, yeah, so that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. So, so yeah, so bite mark is one of them, polygraph tests, which we know are, are terrible, I and mean, we, we see tons of stuff on that. Um, arson investigation is, is another one that, that is not very good. Um, and, and, and fingerprints are like better than, than some of these others. Finger, fingerprints are, are one that they, they, they do kind of get lumped into this because of the way that they are used. Because while your fingerprints may be, um, or well, your your fingerprint is going to be unique to you. There's no telling how many people can uh, finger how many people's fingerprints may be similar mm. to yours. Well, also we don't well, have the computer system that's shown on TV. Well, the, yeah, the fingerprint that's total comparison bullshit. is done by hand, right. by eye. It's not a, a computer com- being able to compare and say, "Oh, I found it." It's no. It's someone looking at the two different ones saying, do those match, do those match. Right, and that's the same issue that we have with hair mic- microscopy, where, where the people identify looking at the hairs, they're, 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 like, they're looking at the hairs and, and, and matching them up. And um, in one case, they, they, they looked at the hairs that they had. They had hairs from three different people, and one of them was a canine. And, 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 mm-hmm. the, and they had a person that was convicted based on hair microscopy evidence. And, and once we got DNA evidence, none of the hairs matched the guy that was convicted. Yeah, but the the canine hair was accurate because the guy was actually a werewolf. <laughs> so yeah, so so now bite now they spent a lot of time in the book on bite mark evidence, and so yeah, so I in particular I I have um, I put one in here um, about Ted Bundy and the evidence that he was convicted on, and here's the thing that 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 is about that case is that I, I you there is no doubt that that Ted Bundy was 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 guilty. Right. I mean, he even admitted to the crimes after, you know, once he once they've been put in jail. Of course, I, I guess we even even those kinds of admissions are suspect, except for I think that Bundy did was able to help them locate other other victims that, um, that he had killed. Yeah. They also he also had a heyday pretending to be a profiler for people, too. Yeah. So, yeah. So he in particular, I, I think that, you know, the evidence the the problem is, is that. The evidence that he was convicted on would not been would would today not be admissible in court, and and it's questionable that with even with a, with a lot of these, like even even if you could show that that they're better than they are, um, you need something to corroborate them, and and we're convicting people off of a single piece of evidence that we find out later is bad, and because there's, and there's no if there's even with no corroborating evidence. Because people will come in, particularly with the bite mark evidence, and there's one in particular, um, Michael West. And he, there's a particular case. I think that he was convicted of killing his wife. Um, I think this is the one. It, 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 there, there's so many of them in there that I, I, I could be getting confused. But anyway, so there was a, there was, um, a mark on the hand. And and they and they decided that that mark on the hand was a bite mark and that it matched, and it matched this person and that it couldn't be anybody else. Um, and later on, you find out that it wasn't even a bite mark, right? And 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 they and they really didn't. There was no science that that to to conclude that 
his his bite structure could have made that mark. And the other problem is that human skin is just not a good receptacle for for a bite profile because you know it, it stretches, it bends, it moves, and so the idea that you're going to be able to perfectly match up somebody's somebody's teeth to to that bite mark it is unlikely. Mm. And so, although Brian, I do want to say that polygraph is accurate if it is administered by a trained Amazon. <laughs> it's amazing how people can just present themselves as legitimate science and, you know, just make up uh, a whole uh, apparent branch of science to, to the courts and they'll just accept them in. Um, without requiring them to to prove themselves in any way. Yeah, it is, and it, what's funny about this is that they're accepting this junk science. Uh, you know, the, in particularly bite mark in particular, and of course it's Texas that that made this possible because I think that Texas was the first state to 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 let um to let it in. And I think that you know it's been fifty years that you know that um that they've been doing it. And, and, the and dentists, bite marks are bigger in Texas too. Absolutely, but what? But they never did. They never did any science to prove that it worked. They never actually like like took and like what like bit something and then and then and then like gave people um you know a set of of uh, dentures and and asked them to match them. They they never did anything you know to any any of the of of the things that you would expect for um to do if you call something science. Well, my one time as a juror left me really kind of disenfranchised as to how they go about presenting their cases because it was a domestic dispute thing and both sides really didn't present any good evidence at all. It was really poorly done. Um, I mean, one guy just had an empty bottle of the liquor that had been drunk that night and talked about that for a little bit. And the stuff they went over and in the end, it just came down to the fact that the man, um, instead of having the fight, got up and, you know, that's what we looked at. We had to look at the actual facts and stuff we could prove. And like I said, I'd say 99% of the crap presented to us was garbage from both sides. And, you know, there was very little facts we could go off of. And if, if that's even close to how some of these other cases get presented, we're actually pretty screwed. Yeah, well, and that's so – okay, so my that was my feeling after reading this book as well. It's like – how how are they how are they how are we ever supposed to conclude that somebody actually ever did anything? So you take one of, one of the most clear cut cases, the Ten Buddy case, right? And, and and I use that as my example because I think we can be pretty certain that he committed the crimes that he that he was accused of. But but the evidence that that we use to 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 convict him of those crimes is no longer admissible in court. So you're thinking they're over, you're going to overturn that? I don't think that they're going to get him out. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, it's too late. They executed him. Um, it, it would be hard to say that Bundy w- wasn't wasn't a criminal, right? That he didn't murder people. But so many people have been accused using the same kind of evidence that didn't. Uh, I think right now there are. There, I mean, they, they've gotten what people off tw- twenty some people based on bite mark evidence, and there's another twenty that that the Innocence Project is is still fighting. If, if not more, the other the other one is that, like the West Memphis Four, right? It, it's pretty clear at this point that those people did not convict that cr- commit those crimes. They did not rape that rape that girl, and and I think that they pretty much now know who did. But yet they still to get the they they still wouldn't release them for jail and say okay yeah uh, what you know and and get rid of their sentence. They 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 they, re- they release them from jail, 
but they, you know, but but they're still guilty as far as the law is concerned. But it, but they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't just let them go like they should. Yeah, and it's so difficult once somebody is convicted of, of a crime based on this fraudulent evidence to finally to finally overturn it because the, the, to to go back into court after you've gotten convicted you have to you have to have evidence you know you have to have new evidence you can't just say that the old evidence is is bullshit no you were convicted on evidence you 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 can't just throw out the you can't throw out the evidence they were convicted on even with new evidence it's very difficult to get anything redone because they want to keep the uh Word of the law, if not the actual factor that it is. Well, the system wants someone to blame for it. It doesn't actually care quite often if it's accurate or exactly. honest. But hey, and look, they... we caught the criminal and can show it to you. And it, it's scary if when they get the wrong guy because that means the actual criminals out there being able to do this again. Right. And so right. here, so here's the problem. So, so um, President Obama put together a commission to, to look at this. So he put together a presidential council to, to look at, um, at forensic science specifically. And, and, the, and the council's findings basically were that this stuff should not be used and, 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 or, or not necessarily that it should not just not be used, but that they need to go back and they, need to, they actually need to do the work behind it to show that it was does they need to do the double blind studies and they and they need to do, and and then they need to show you know that and, and test people to see if they can actually do what they what they what they're saying that they what they can do right so they need to go back and they need to do everything behind it and do the hard work and and here's what um who's I think that this was uh, I don't know if this is DAs or exactly who said that but it says despite the poor track record many forensic dentists Oh, no. Well, okay, I can read this, too. Uh, most associated with the American Board of Forensics, and uh, and let's see, and they're certified by that body. They they still they're they're still defending it, even even with it. We you know even if it's you know even with as poor as it's been, and and then after that, so while while the report acknowledges that that dentists certain uh, uh, certainly that excluding bite mark evidence could hamper efforts to convict criminals in some cases so what they're saying is we, we know it's bad but 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 we but we want to but we want to convict criminals and we need to convict yeah. criminals it's like that that is so asinine to me and so backwards because the idea is beyond you know that you must what beyond a reasonable doubt right that that that's what we call the standard is but if we but if we're using junk science to create that reason that you know that that beyond a reasonable doubt that's that this mind blowing. How many innocent people have we put away on this junk evidence? There's got to well, be let more. Me, let me throw out another thing here too: is that we have spent easily thirty years through the media, news, and popular culture proving to the population of the United States that forensic science not only works but is flawless. Yeah, we see it on CSI, we see it at NCAS, we see it on all these shows, right? People, as a writer, I'm going to tell you something. The stuff we write is fiction. It's fiction, <laughs> we exactly. We make crap right. up. Exactly. Yeah, we should never look at what happens on CSI and think that this is what happens in real life. It's yeah. never that clear. Well, not only that, but uh, those, um, you know, the the Hannibal Lecter movies proved to us that the the profiler was God, even though the profiler is making huge guesses and assumptions and often wrong. Yeah. 
here th- this is interesting. It says bite arc analysis is conducted based on based uh, conducted by forensic dentists is relying on two uh, fundamental or foundational principles. One or first that human uh, dentistry is unique is unique is as unique as DNA. Um, and second, that human skin and other materials substrates is suitable a suitable medium on which to record the impression. And, and both, both of, of those, those are, are not false. true. And both are false, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and bite mark evidence is just one that, that, that I spent a lot of time on because of the book. Blood splatter isn't better. Hair microscopy isn't better. Um, polygraph testing isn't better. Arson investigation isn't better. This is this is that, and in the book, that's a really interesting one. So there was a house, uh, I think it was here in Texas. Go figure. And uh, and and the guy was, and uh, the guy and his wife were having, um, they were having problems. And he was sleeping in his car outside the house, but he would still come by and mow the lawn and, and, and do that kind of stuff. So he had a gas can in the car and some stuff like that. And one and one day the house goes up in flames. And he goes in, and he gets one of his kids out. But before he can go in to get to, to get anybody else out, the house just completely flares up. And and so the it, the initially the arson investigation called it. You know, they they said they called it arson because they said that um, that there's no other way for it to, to for the fire to go up as quickly as it did without it being arson. And so and and that was the conclusion of, of of these people. But they but they decided to go ahead and test that theory. So they you know they got the fire investigators and everything. And so they 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 rebuilt the house and and they and they put everything back exactly the way that it had been before the fire. And they started the fire the initial way that that they had said it had been gotten started. And the exact same thing happened. It went up just as quick as as they as as they had thought it would. They and they were not able to predict that before doing this test. So and so ultimately, so the they, only did they figure out why it went up that way? Yeah, they did. They they yeah. After after the, after it. Well, I don't know if they figured it out exactly. They they know now that that it happened exactly as the guy had said it did, right? Um, and unfortunately, his his wife and a, and another child were were killed in that fire. So that's why they wanted. They, I mean, that's what they were trying to do. They're trying to get him for arson and murder. But it, it turns out to be just an accident. And of course, when they went to trial. Um, the arson investigators all wouldn't wouldn't corroborate anything. They still convicted him on 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 the farce, the on the false arson inve- investigation. He was still convicted, and I think that he finally got out. But but if I remember correctly, they still put him in jail, even after the even after the uh, the arson investigators switched sides and said no that this 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 was an accident. Yeah, well, basically, we like to have someone to blame. We like to have there, there to is blame. a level of comfort that. <clears throat> You know, we have the control. You know, we can catch the bad guy. It, it, it's safe now, kind of thing. There's definitely a level of, and it's messed up that um, prevalent in the justice system. But we want there to be someone convicted. We want we there want. to be someone to blame. We want there to be someone to take it, so that it's not as chaotic, not as random. And often you feel safer because oh, we got the criminal. He's in jail. Even if you have to convince yourself that's really the criminal when it's not. Yeah, we have to find a monster and make sure that it's not us. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And and here's the other thing is that it, it's scary to me how often pe- the people are being you know sentenced to life in prison, sentenced to, sentenced to death on on one piece of evidence with no corroborating evidence. And 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 when it's bite mark, and many people were convicted on strictly bite mark evidence, 
that's really that's really scary to me, and it really makes me question the ability of our justice system to find justice. Yeah, but you know, there's another factor with the Ted Bundy conviction. He had a really really bad lawyer himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. He took he took he took a couple of classes at, at, at law school, and and he was qualified to <laughs> to defend himself. Yeah, but he also watched a lot of Perry Mason. He probably also stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. So, so um, I found out something not too long ago that uh, relates to Ted Bundy, and I had never known before. I knew that Ted Bundy had escaped at a certain time from a jail in Colorado, too, actually. One in Aspen, which was not a very good one. Yeah. One in Glenwood Springs, where they didn't think he could get through a vent that he turned out he was able to get through yep i think the one that i think the one in aspen isn't that the one where he was he was preparing his own defense and they left him um at the second the second floor at the law school and jumped out the window yep that's yep. the one okay yeah uh, so anyway what i never knew though is that around the same time that bundy was doing his stuff we also had casey we also had the green river killer and we had btk and we had jeffrey dahmer um starting up i never knew i never knew that these were all concurrent in the same time frame oh uh, yeah okay and it just blew me away because i had thought that btk was a lot later because you know we we heard about him getting caught later i didn't realize that he'd had these huge long gaps in his in his um like years of downtime in between his murders let me let, and, uh, let me leave you with one more thing. This uh, let me end on this. So Barack Obama had this presidential council, right? That that was that was pushing to 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 make forensic science better. And then and then he was no longer president anymore. Do, do you guys remember remember this? Um, and, I remember uh, hearing a lot of people saying that he was no longer president, <laughs> but I don't think there was a legitimate election. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, and so a new a new president came to the White House. One All, of the first things the new president did was at that out. I, I don't know if it was one of the first things, but yeah, all all of these measures, all of this push to do to, to do better, to be more scientific, and, and and to and to instigate this rigor, have left our justice system, and they're and they're back to what they were doing before this presidential council. Which so, so it hasn't gotten somebody- better. Which is saying that somebody Brown is doing the raping? That, yeah, well, th- yeah. Um, Texas has finally eliminated bite mark evidence, which, of course, you know, DAs and stuff are, are not happy about. Um, I'd like to see I'd like to see judges better educated on this stuff, so that they can so that they can make more informed choices on whether or not to allow this evidence. Um, there's a lot of things that I would I would like to see that I think can make this better. But making the science better is is the first thing that needs to happen, and then educating judges. So they know when it's appropriate to admit it and throw it out, because I think that there's a time and a place where where these things can be useful. Um, and, and but I think that you need to have corroborating evidence as well. And I think a lot of times, and, and Ian pointed this out, I think we don't. Thomas, do you want to do this story or move it? Uh, well, it's a very quick uh, kind of update uh, to uh, what we were talking about uh, uh, last week. Uh, basically. Um... Uh, I think it was the CEO of uh, Replica, if you remember that uh, chatbot that I was uh, telling you about uh, last time. Yeah, you've talked uh, about it. Said that uh, basically, yeah, they, they get a lot of uh, um, uh, contacts from 
users out there uh, complaining that, saying that, uh, well, Replica is obviously sentient. And once again, it's a chatbot doing exactly what it's designed to do. Exactly. Yeah. It goes to, to show that uh, uh, we do. It, it's hard. It is hard to wrap our, our mind around how it can like have a coherent sounding conversation with us and still not be aware of what it's talking about. So you're saying it is human. <laughs> <laughs> so it is idea. like people on all the other uh, Facebook and everything else. It's funny. You know, we have um, the, the Star Trek measure of a man, right? Where, where data goes on trial to prove that he's sentient. Right. And I'm not sure that, that I mean, there's some things in there that are really good, but there's some things in there that, that, that demonstrate that he, that, he, that he is still a robot. And maybe, maybe, maybe it's always going to be a fuzzy line. Yeah. Maybe it's not so clear cut. And, and maybe you're not as sentient as you think you are. Oh, I'm exactly as sentient as I think I am. <laughs> And on that disappointment, say goodnight, everybody. Bye, everybody. Good night. That's another robot delivering a porn VR headset in the can. If you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons, share alike, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Intro music by Peter Canold. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.